one woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. That's where we want to continue. Then the sixth angel sounded. These are the seven trumpets sounding judgments. The first four primarily related to human beings and their circumstances. The last three relate to the activities of the demonic. Now, you must understand that all of the activities of the demonic spoken of in these chapters are permitted by God. These aren't just the the, um, rampaging of demonic forces without purpose, killing and destroying indiscriminately. They're doing what they're doing by the permission of God because they're serving God. Why? Because the judgment has come upon certain of mankind and it's summary judgment. This is is judgment like what fell on Egypt, it's judgment like what fell on Sodom and Gomorrah, where it was time for the wickedness of mankind to be arrested because there actually is a living God. We don't get to keep on in any way that pleases us indefinitely from the time that creation was established an end to it was envisioned. The purpose for creation was to permit a man in the image and likeness of God to emerge at the end of the age and to overthrow every opposition to God's righteousness that began in heaven and is being played out on the earth, began in heaven when Satan rebelled against God. It was Jesus Himself who said, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven and his falling continues uh, and the book of Revelation is where we catch up with him. But let's go back at verse 13, chapter 9 uh, of the book of Revelation. Then the sixth angel sounded and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar which is before God saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates. For uh, well, let me so let me let me comment on those before I go much further. Once again, I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar. Often this is referred to as that which is in the naos of God, the temple 
of God, if you like, the dwelling place of God. And it's a voice that comes from the four horns of the golden altar. Quite often we, we, we get to see that this voice that is directing comes from among the four living creatures and there's no reason to suppose that it's from anyone else. The Lord Jesus Christ is clearly handing judgment into the hands of the saints. We, the saints are both judging angels and judging the world. So keep that in mind because it is almost, almost nowhere does, does anyone seem to recognize that the saints do control these sequences of judgments. We're not the victims of these judgments, as some would suppose, that requiring us to have to get out of here and go to heaven. No, we are like Israel was in Egypt. If we're on the earth, we're as Israel was in Egypt in the days of the plagues. These are analogies that reference the plagues in Egypt. But Israel was safe. You don't have to go to heaven to get out of this. That's the principle. And in fact, when we are seeing all of this, we're actually experiencing something of the power of God having been delegated to the saints and the administration of that power upon the earth. That's what we're experiencing here. And this voice says, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Now these angels would be demonic spirits because there's no reference to an angel who serves God as being bound, as being bound. The, uh, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. There the term bound is the word deo, D-E-O, pronounced D-E-H-O, deo, to bind literally or figuratively, bind being bonds, to knit, to tie, to wind, all of those relate to uh, the condition of angels who had been released from the abyss. Because as you will recall, when we looked at it in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, where the word is Tartaru, who were bound, those angels, if God spared not the angels who sinned, but bound them in chains in darkness. This is the same kind of, of language used to describe these four angels. 
they are bound by the great river Euphrates. Now everyone I'm sure would recognize that the, the great river Euphrates is in Babylon. Babylon. So these four demonic creatures, it would, it would appear to me, given what they do when they're released, that they are the very spirit that control Babylon. When, when the ancient Babylonian Empire was overthrown, the practices within that empire came under a different sovereign, a different demonic sovereign. That different demonic sovereign was called the Prince of Persia. When Persia was overthrown, that demonic spirit, the demonic spirit that ruled instead of the Prince of Persia, was the Prince of Greece. It would appear that with the change of these administrations, certain of these spirits are bound in location, waiting for the time when they would be useful again. Now their nature was put on exhibition, the nature of these spirits was put on exhibition when the kingdom over which they ruled was in its, at its height. So what was Babylon at its height? It's a very picture of religious enslavement. But beyond that, the empire of Babylon was actually the, that which was typified by the lion, by the lion. And pictures of ancient Babylon show a winged lion. Persia merges into that and and goes forward, but ancient Babylonian cryptography features the prominence of the winged lion. What is that? It's devourer, it's destroyer. So on earth these four angels, when they had prominence, before God removed the kingdom of Babylon, because God needed to remove the kingdom of Babylon in order to permit the unfolding of Scripture, the continuing unfolding of what God had in mind. Because had they remained in Babylon, the Messiah would not have come, but that was never going to be the case. So as powerful as these four angels were, they were destined to be overthrown for a season, to be chained and bound at the river Euphrates for a season. And in that sense, in that sense, no other kingdom has had the same identifying characteristics as Babylon even though a harlot, a false church, is called Babylon the Great, and uh, and a woman who sits on this 
It's called the mother of harlots. Now that tells us something, that although Babylon was overthrown, and by the way Jezebel and Babylon have a strange relationship in Scripture because they, they work, these spirits work to seduce the saints from the clarity of the understanding of the things of God, they work to confuse, to obfuscate, to cause darkness to come and false religion to come to imprison and to blind the minds of the people of God. So much so that at times this condition of Babylon is described as what the God of this world, the God of the cosmos, most commonly uses. Scripture says, for the God of this world, the God of the cosmos, has blinded the minds of men lest they should believe and see the truth. So it is consistent with smoke coming out of the abyss, it's consistent with the torture of indecision, being unable to make decisions because information is corrupt. It's consistent with deception uh, practiced in the form of religious deception and the oppression of that, but with the ferocity of a lion, of a lion. Nothing benign because in its day Babylon was the Alpha Kingdom. And and as it moved forward, now we see uh, these four angels that were, these four demonic spirits that in the fashion of being bound, they're like the spirits that have now come up out of the abyss that used to be bound in chains in darkness, again according to 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 4. So these were bound not in the abyss but at the great river Euphrates because they were the spirits that were in control of ancient Babylon but because the influence of ancient Babylon, particularly on religious deception, had continued throughout the centuries, when they are released and put under the rule of Abaddon, in Greek Apollyon, the king over the ones in the abyss, this becomes a frightening horde bent upon the destruction of mankind. And the degree of their success is this, they kill a third of mankind. This is when judgment comes. How many people died in Sodom and Gomorrah when God brought the fiery judgments on them? I don't know. How many people died in Egypt as a consequence of the plagues? I don't know, but it would be wrong to suggest that the plagues just came through and left people untended or unharmed. But let's go on. So it says, so the four angels, the four angels who had been prepared 
for the hour and the day and the month and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now this, you see, is not accidental. This is a prepared judgment. The four angels are leaders within this army that goes out to kill. They were prepared, they were kept in chains. Now notice this, they were prepared. What does that mean? This is very mission specific to speak in military terms because they were prepared for, it starts with the smallest unit of time in the advancing sequence, the hour, the month, the year, excuse me, the hour, the day, the month and the year. This is precise preparation and precise ordination, which means that God had foreordained these judgments to come and He had given the issuance of these judgments into the hands of the saints who are typified by the four living creatures and the voice that comes from the golden altar, which by the way is where the prayers of the saints are offered before God. This is the time when all the righteous blood shed on the earth is now being vindicated. Their prayers are now being answered and God is handing judgment over to them. And part of the agency of judgment are the unfallen angelic who sound the trumpets that permit, empower the demonic to act in bringing vengeance upon the earth. Now notice this, even in their fallen states, the demonic chained in the abyss or chained by the river Euphrates, even in their fallen states, they must respond to the command of their Creator when that command is given. The trumpets are the heralds they announce the decrees of the living God, the timing of which were ordained by the saints, but the seriousness of it and all the preparations that go with it have been foreordained by God. So four angels bound by the great river Euphrates are now loosed, having been specifically and exactly prepared in a mission-specific way. So we know this is not, these are not escapable judgments. 
I understand very well that a contemporary person hearing ancient prophecy revealed is likely to be very skeptical because this is not what we see. We don't see demons. We don't see the convergence of these forces. We don't see angels bound by the great river Euphrates. We don't see any of these things. That is why the scriptures routinely say that as it was in the days of Noah, it shall be like that in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. One day was like another for a hundred and twenty years. When divine presence, divine interruption changed the order of the daily in such a mind-boggling way that there was no point of reference for those who were caught outside of the ark. That's what we're looking at here. Yes, we may note that um, we may note that Iraq has been the source of conflict uh, recently in present history. All of a sudden, this ancient nation comes up, as it were, out of the dust of history to become the location for for religious-based forces, to put not too fine a point on it. And forces from the West have gone there. Now they're being withdrawn, but the hubris that has been stirred in the region is palpable. And for us to assume that the withdrawing of uh, Allied troops, British, American, Australian, and the like, from the area is going now to somehow cause there to be a simmering down and people getting on with the business of building their economies and rebuilding their nations, that's to be completely devoid of the knowledge of Scripture. It's not going to happen. And remember what I said at the very beginning of these discussions, it will be as birth pangs on a pregnant woman. So it keeps on. What we see here, not only in the four trumpets that speak of the cascading of events among human beings, but in the remaining three that speak of terrifying woes, it's taking us further and further away from anything that may be called the return to normalcy. as it was in the days of Noah, the scriptures say, and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. Look, if these things could be warnings to the world today, if these prophetic scriptures unveiled as they are being could be warning to the world today, then people would repent. But because they are not going to be received by the world as warnings, 
then these things will come upon them like the terror of the flood came on, on uh, uh, the days of people in the days of Noah, like the plagues came upon Egypt, uh, like the Romans descended on the city of Jerusalem. All of these things happened because of unbelief. The people did not choose to retain God in their knowledge and yet they continue in their lawlessness and every man doing what is right in his own eyes. And this would all work indefinitely if indeed the earth were eternal and mankind was in charge of his own destiny. This would all work. It's almost like I sound like a voice crying in the wilderness saying, these things will come to pass and we are in the stages of them coming to pass. But let me finish this. They were, they were ordained for our day, the month, and the year. And they were released, these four angels, to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of the horsemen was 200 million. Now I have said and pointed out to you before that the number million does not exist in the Scriptures because the ancients could not count to a million, they could count to thousands. So that's what it says, the number of the horsemen, 200, so the two uh, is the word duo which means two, hundred and then thousand is the word murios, so it's two hundred thousand thousands, a thousand thousand is a million. Uh, so 200 million is, they've summarized it uh, in modern English, but it's that kind of a multitude. And then it describes their formation as they prepare for battle. Note again that the, the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouth came fire, smoke, and brimstone. Once again, this is the nature of the war. It's a war of words, a war of sounds, and a time of warfare. And in this, in this confused bedlam of warfare, this enormous uh, force of evil kills and here is how it kills. It's not by sword but by these three plagues a third of mankind were killed. What are the three plagues? Fire, smoke, and sulphur. These are the indications of the confused uh, the confusing uh, uh, weaponries that are used and this fire, smoke, and brimstone came out of the mouths 
of the horses, for their power is in their mouth and in their tails, and their tails were like serpents having heads and with them, uh, with them to do harm. Now, in this confused environment, this, this army of invisible demonic forces create conditions in the earth, sounds, uh, words, um, dictates that are like fire, smoke and brimstone. This is analogous to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah by fire and brimstone. And by these three plagues, a third of mankind is killed. How exactly? It doesn't seem to say how that happens. But the environment is so poisoned, the environment is so um, contaminated, and here I'm not talking so much about the ecology, in fact I'm not talking at all about the ecology, but rather human environment that results in a massive dying. In addition to the fact that the people on the earth were stung by the hopelessness described as tails like serpents, so finally it breaks through and says not just uh, scorpions but like serpents. Uh, and so we see the one, uh, the one movement flowing into the other when the angels who are by the great river Euphrates, when they are loosed, apparently their presence calls together this army, brings it uh, into formation and into order and it has its marching orders, it goes into the earth and it has this level of destruction. Let me just read the last piece because I think it's important to end on this note. But the rest of mankind, the two-thirds who were not killed by these plagues, did not repent of the works of their hands that they should not worship demons. So it's very clear that the demons are the actors behind the scenes, they're being led by powerful forces, powerful demonic princes, the, the, angel, the king over the abyss and now these four primary lieutenants or lieutenants. It reminds me nearly of Alexander the Great and his four generals who divided his empire uh, after he died, but he was, Alexander's strength was in the, the speed with which he could move and the closeness with which he coordinated with his four generals. So these four angels seem to act in the fashion in which Alexander, the, a type of this creature, which is why I believe it's reference to a Greek name, not just a Hebrew name, the Hebrew name Abaddon, the Greek name Apollyon. Alexander is 
the iconic figure, the iconic military figure of the Greeks. And then these four angels, uh, perhaps analogous to the four generals uh, that Alexander used with which to conquer such a swath of mankind and it happened so rapidly that mankind had no, that the ancient world was literally taken by storm. But it does say that the rest of mankind who were not killed, the two-thirds who were not killed, did not cease to worship demons. And then it goes on to say, and they did not repent, verse 21, of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. It's quite literally that the wicked had become wicked still, even as the righteous were righteous still. There was no abating, no backing up. This is a time of judgment. Nobody's being saved in this time because the number of those who are sealed has taken place. This is just the judgment that envelops the world being led by the demonic that are actually doing the will of God and being commanded to do so. There is yet another woe to come and we'll look at that one when we continue in this series. I'm Sam Solon, we'll see you then, bye-bye.